A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Thanks very much for checking in with us on Monday's Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast. Hi, Murph. Hello there, all. Uh, a lot of strange things have happened over the course of Euro 2016. Iceland's improbable run to the quarterfinal. Ireland's holding a lead against France for more than half the last 16 game. Mm-hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo fresh airing a chance for Portugal on Thursday night. It's all going on. But the strangest of all, strangest thing that's happened so far in this tournament, for me personally. What has turned your world on its axis on? Well, I've slowly come around to the idea that Robbie Savage, a man who listeners of this podcast will be aware, his punditry charms haven't always Mm. captured my imagination, particularly. But I have to say, I have to doff my cap to Robbie Savage. He's done a damn fine job of co-commentating on his country's march to the semifinals. Go away, you kids up! Something special is happening here tonight! It's good to get him forward down that right hand side, but just look at the desire. He gets there first. Yeah, that was Savage immediately after Sam Vokes had headed the third goal against Belgium on Friday night. He immediately, almost immediately, uh, regretted being quite so confident in saying that it was all over, but it was it was fine anyway. And uh, all right, so you kind of expect that sort of emotion from Robbie Savage, mm. an emotional man at such a moment. But what's most remarkable is how level-headed he's been in general. Played, he regularly will call free kicks and yellow card decisions in favour of the opposition. If anything, he's... If I was Welsh, I'd be watching going, Robbie, cut us some slack here. Yeah. You're really giving... You're, you're being a bit too magnanimous towards the opposition. And without exactly being Gary Neville, he's decent enough at adding to our understanding of what's happening on the pitch. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm digging Robbie Savage mm. of the Euros. He... Uh... He has called nearly every one of Chris Coleman's brilliant substitutions like three minutes before Chris Coleman (laughs) makes those substitutions. Yeah. yeah. Now, the only time he uh, uh, veered into being overly pro-Wales was when Martin Keown was doing it 50 times more blatantly for England in Mm. the England-Wales game. There was three commentators in that game. Yeah, two commentators. As a result... I think Robbie felt nearly honour-bound to start calling freeze that weren't really freeze in Wales' direction. It, but only because Martin Keown was being outrageously <laughs> pro-England. Uh, which in a situation like that, I mean, Keown surely has to 
he's the guy who, who can afford to be magnanimous. I mean, he's the bit from the larger country. And, you know, a little bit of parochialism for little old Wales. Yeah. I mean, who's really going to have a problem with that? But I'm with you. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Robbie Savage has... I, I've enjoyed his punditry. The point his, has his been com- made. Oh, no, sorry. His commentary. His co-commentary. Yes. A very important distinction to make there straight off the, the bat. The point... Uh, I've seen the point made that there's a different Robbie Savage in BBC com- compared to when he's working on BT Sport. Maybe with BT, he feels... He's the character, you know. He's the guy who is the sort of. He's the one who'll get the get the kids interested in watching. I don't know if that is the case, you know, but yeah. he's, certainly he has a certain appeal. Uh, I've I would say that the Robbie Savage appeal has not hasn't differed massively from one broadcaster to the next. Yeah, but maybe when he's on the BBC, he feels he needs he doesn't he he dials it down a small bit, and mm. that is not necessarily to the detriment Robbie Savage can do with dialing down. S- a little bit of Robbie Savage from time to time. I'm basically on. I I think this is a Euro 2016 miracle. Specific, okay. Uh, that there uh, the stars have aligned in a very weird and fantastical way, uh, but that there's one more week at best, <laughs> and then I fear the normal service will be resumed. We'll check in with Ken in Paris to plug today's Euros podcast. One of the stars of Ireland's adventures in France features heavily in this email I have in front of me. I've got a call here that says you're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around. Go back to lecturing. You have the charisma of a sick bag. Oh God. That's just it. I just well, mentioned, not you, no me. Okay. Ain't nobody with my click. We don't normally click, broadcast click, all the, the stuff click, that comes from scum click, around the country. Ain't nobody fresher than my mama. Click, 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 click. Today's comeback, Keelan McGuinness. A Donegal man, he's been badgering us for a t-shirt for quite some time, mm. has gone so far as to email this embarrassing anecdote in order to butter us up. He, there, are, there are no depths to which Keelan McGuinness will not stoop in order to try and get a t-shirt <laughs> out of us. Bottom line, Shamey hates me. I think you can guess who Shamey might be here, bearing okay. in mind I said he's one of the heroes of Ireland's campaign and that Keelan is from Donegal. We're underage soccer, he, he paints a scene here. It's like, uh, what was the name of that old woman in um, The, the mother Girls? of, the, the eldest of the Golden Girls. Sophie, yeah. Sophia. Picture it, Sicily. <laughs> right, we're underage soccer and GA rivals. Kitty Beggs versus A.O. Grua. A.O. Grua. Or St. Catharines versus Erin Wanderers. As you know, the rivalry. So we always marked each other there over the years in GA. Him, centre half back, me, centre half forward. 11 versus 6. There was no love lost between us. It was minor yeah. championship, round one, first leg in Fartatini Park, Ballyshannon, home of Brian Wee Man Roper. <laughs> Killy Beggs were far superior than us. They had a cracking side. We knew this would be our last chance to play together as a home team. And we were real fired up. Real fired up. So we're in a win-at-all-costs mode. I was a bastard on the field. We'll do anything to win. I knew Shamey would be marking me. I knew what I had to do. Disgraceful. In, in the pre-sledging GA era, <laughs> words were exchanged throughout the match. Insults became personal on both sides. But maybe I crossed the line. Maybe I should have held my tongue. But I questioned his ability to form sentences properly, picking up on his speech impediment, undoubtedly the first to do so. After enduring relentless teasing, Shamey turned and slapped me open-handed on the face. Gently. <laughs> I dropped to the gr- Like a French aristocrat. I dropped to the ground in pain, also in a pre-simulation GA world, holding my face. The referee comes over and says he didn't see it. Shamey got away scot-free. I was left red-faced, though not from the assault. <laughs> he, we won the match. We won the match. All oh, right, lost the second leg. And then lost to the side a two-legged GEA. What kind of futuristic GEA world was this? I, I can only they lost the decider. There were like three teams playing in this A division. Killy Beggs didn't lose again until the Ulster final that year. Shamey captain his country against Italy and France in Euro 2016. I tell my story for t-shirts. Who's the real victim in this tale? It's hard to say. 
says Keaton. Great stuff, Keaton. You're still not getting a T-shirt. We do appreciate you sending Thanks for the mail, though. We do appreciate it. Uh, and well, I mean, we can't go around rewarding this type of behaviour, can we? I mean, it would send no. a very bad message out to the kids Murph, if yeah. uh, trying to get Jamie Coleman sent off in a Donegal minor game uh, is being rewarded by us. You were at Croke Park yesterday. I, I already know. I already know what you made of the Leinster hurling final because I saw you on the Sunday game. Well, not me. Well, at Save Kieran Murph, second captain's broadcaster. Your tweet flashed up across the screen in front of me. I'd appreciate it if Galway could contrive to lose differently to Kilkenny next time. Freak weather incidents. Livestock invade pitch, etc. Mm. You're getting bored of the uh, rather repetitive manner in which you get your hopes up at well, halftime was... only f- for them to be extinguished by Kilkenny in a second half. It was an extremely frustrating day uh, at Crow Park yesterday. Like, extremely frustrating. Because, I mean, we don't necessarily have a problem with Kilkenny beating us because they beat everyone. So, I mean, I, we can't mark ourselves out as being special in that area. Um, but this idea that we put it up to them. Oh. Oh, even that phrase annoys the hell out of me. As, as if we're basically doing them a favour. You know, that, you know, rather than you just turning up and picking up some, some trophies. You know, we'd make it interesting, you know. Um, Put it up to them is kind of a... Ugh. It is a bit of a patronising phrase ugh. to use for one team against another. Yeah, it is. It, it very much is. You really let them know they were in a game. A game they were going to win eventually, but that they were in a game. Certainly they were going to win. I mean, that was never in doubt. But see, of course, it was in doubt. Uh, because... Uh, you're idiots when you're at a sporting event. I mean, that's the whole premise of it. I mean, the idea that you could coldly, rationally look at the situation at halftime and say, well, yeah, I mean, sure, we're three points up, but I mean, we're not going to win. No, no one wants to hang out with that guy. No. No one wants to watch a sporting event with that guy. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it it didn't stop me from thinking that maybe this time would be different. And I... I uh, uh, was there with my wife, who uh, asked, I think it was about 55 minutes into the Iron Final last year, turned around to me and said, ah, this is gone, isn't it? And I obviously completely exploded on her. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not, it's not gone. We can, we can still do this. Uh, so she said the exact same thing. Actually, no, she didn't say it yesterday. I looked at her with 50 minutes ago and said, I remember what you said 50 minutes, with 50 minutes ago. Pleasant conversation you and had I'd with your wife. And I'd rather you didn't say that again. So she just kind of laughed at me and said nothing. And then this kind of, this went on for about maybe 15 minutes, the remainder of the game and for about 20 minutes after the game. And then I started laughing at myself and my own. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I hope that I continue to feel that way because when it does eventually happen and it must own, it must, if for no other reason than that, you know, Richie Hogan's going to bloody retire sometime soon uh, and TJ Reid are going to retire. Uh, that we will beat Kilkenny uh, and that will be sweet and all of the mental torment and anguish that I've put myself through will count for something on yeah. you see where I'm coming from right? I see where you're coming from but you're looking with at me as though I need uh, you really want to be you want well, me to rubber no, stamp I mean, this optimism and just I just can't your, quite do it your eyes rolled a little bit there when I suggested the, that Gola will at some stage in the vast in your expanse lifetime. of time no they will they will we'll talk football first though Donegal and Tyrone through to the Ulster final. Wins against Monaghan and a demolition job by Tyrone on Cavan. Seriously impressive stuff there. Oshie McConville is in to talk about it. How are you, Oshie? How's things? Oh, not bad at all. I was quite invigorated by watching Tyrone uh, turn into the counter-attacking machine that they looked like at the weekend. That's words you never thought you'd utter. Some amazing goals. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, and the thing about it, on the only reason why they didn't make an All-Ireland final last year was because they couldn't 
put away those goal chances. The three very good goal chances against Kerry last year didn't put them away. Yesterday they looked like a team who had worked on that. Having said that, they should have had ten goals. <laughs> really? Yeah, they should have had five more brilliant opportunities. In fact, towards the end of the game, like Peter Hart in particular had a chance for a hat trick and, and blazed it over the bar, but throw a very good at times yesterday. First twenty minutes, uh this is the amazing thing about analysis of punditry. Because mm. yesterday I had the best view I've ever had um, walking on a match. Um, we were in the corner, but we were slightly raised up just above, and you could hear everything from a point of view. You could see everything from as far as the the inside runners and that. <laughs> One of the pieces of analysis that I was going to do at the end of the... Well, after 20 minutes, was that... Neil Murray had one job to do, and that was to mark Peter Hart, and he was exceptional. He never left the side. <laughs> Peter Hart made two runs before that and hadn't got the ball, and then made another run. And in the space of three minutes, he had two goals and a point. <laughs> and uh, you just, you're glad that you're not live. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're glad it's deferred coverage at that stage. <laughs> but uh, look at throwing open the map at will. Um, took them a wee while to figure them out. Took them a wee while to figure Calvin out. Um, Kevin started with Garoud McKiernan David Givney and Eugene Keating in the full forward line and the kick ball into them but Colin Kavanagh completely forgot about his midfield duties and just went and stood in front of him you know the way he goes plays midfield and then goes back in mm. you know uh, runs back in and stands in front of his full back line anyway well he just completely um, forgot about uh, forgot about that and just um, went directly in and played as a as a second fullback, and uh, he was able to quell the, the majority of 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 uh, Calvin's um, attacks early on, and they dispensed with that then after fifteen minutes. But a really interesting thing was that Tyrone had decided before the game, obviously, to give up Calvin kickouts, hadn't pushed them, hadn't pressed them, and uh, Peter Donnelly, who is who is formerly um, who was formerly with Calvin. Uh, it was being reintroduced in the throne fold, um, and all I heard him shout was squeeze, and and just as a unit, they up, they just pushed up, okay. So uh, Galligan now, whose kickouts are brilliant, uh, had to just kick the ball out to the middle of the field, and throne started to win the ball. But the strange thing on the other end of the field was that um, Cavan had pushed up on throne kickouts, and Neil Morgan was finding it very very difficult to find a man. And uh, Cavan won the first three kickouts, got two points off them, and then Sean Cavan arose in the middle of the field and, and caught the ball and and threw him one off the field, and they were able to put Cavan on the back foot as a result of that. I think Cavan just took a gamble and said, "If we push up on them, that's fine, but we need to win that kickout." And when they were winning it, they were they were great. But see, when when Cavan didn't have the numbers back. You know, like like Tyrone just really run through them very very simply. How did Cavan get caught so high up the field <clears throat> as often as they did uh, against Tyrone yesterday? I mean, it, it, watching the highlights last night, it was insane. You hardly see. ever see it anymore. Not from yeah. a, a decent team and a, a well organized team that we thought Cavan was. It was kind of it was, it was kind of a throwback, wasn't it? Yeah. You just seeing wave after wave. Of they just took a chance. They right. took a chance that we're going to win those those kickouts and especially the opposition kickouts. Tyrone, there's no team boys that, that break as quickly as Tyrone do. Mm. Tierney McCann is a Rolls Royce of a footballer. <laughs> he is. He, he glides over the ground. He covers unbelievable ground. Neil Sludden, very impressed with him yesterday. Um, 
you know, he he started centre half forward, but he just basically played the same way as he played the last day, except for he had no marking, man marking duties. He just played as an extra midfielder, extra centre half back, and made those runs. And when he makes the runs, he goes at pace. And that's the one thing that they added after fifteen or twenty minutes was just sheer pace. And <laughs> very impressive yesterday, I have to say. And they give away two seventeen, and Mickey Hart made a thing of that. But I think Mickey Hart was playing, you know. He was playing yeah, the fiddle on yeah, yesterday because, like, Colin Cavanaugh went off with 16 minutes to go. In, the, in fact, if you add on the extra time, 21 minutes to go in the game, and that's when they give away the majority of their scores. Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at the 217, you know, crumbs of comfort maybe for Donegal and other teams coming down the track for Tyrone, but in effect... Realistically, it was 14 points, probably. Yeah, 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 which is... You know, and so the the goal... The goal concessions, which was seen as the major problem yesterday, you've already told us what they've done to to basically nullify that yeah. threat. I mean, you throw Justin McMahon back into a team as well. You know, that's obviously adding yeah. a little bit of uh, bull Loose. to yeah, 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 yeah. and lots of yeah. But I mean, so tell us what we're supposed to be thinking about Tyrone here. Um, are are they favourites for the Ulster final? They'd be my favourites. Uh, we haven't talked about the other game yet. Like, yeah. like the only goal looked really rejuvenated, and they looked. Boy, were they hungry for that game. And people who weren't at the game will look at it and say, Tyrone's script by Monaghan. But the scoreline doesn't at all reflect how much uh, Donegal dominated that game. They completely dominated it. Um, for the majority of the game, Monaghan were poor in the extreme. That's two weeks in a row. Um, Donegal as well added a good bit of pace. But it seemed like more like a mindset thing to me that uh, the players who had underperformed the week before, I don't think they got any fitter or faster in that in that in that six days or seven days or whatever, seven days. Uh, but they just the mindset looked as if, you know, they were gonna attack Monaghan from absolutely everywhere. You seen the game the week before on T V and you, we talked about the hits here last week, but you know, double that and add some for, for the other night. You know, Donegal were ravenously hungry. For the game and and they, okay they 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 are willing to try every trick in the book but she's so hungry like you know, yeah and and, and uh, Lacey Thompson all these guys that you that we had concerns about they all seem to up it you know forty or fifty percent Frank McLean was a different player than he was the week before uh, Ray McHugh uh, Mark McHugh added to them when he came on as well um, Rory Kavanagh had the best game I've seen him having. In probably Since three or back. four years, yeah, 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 even before that, maybe. Um, so, yeah, they're. But I still think Tyrone are are in a, are in a very good position. Uh, McAllister looked good yesterday. His movement was exceptional. Ron O'Neill didn't score yesterday, but created a few things. But you probably expect they will get a wee bit more from him the next day. They won't get it. They won't get in as easy against Donegal. There's no doubt about it. But they'll 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 punch holes the likes of Sloden and Peter Hart and them boys will punch holes in them Mike Quirk was at the Munster final Mike but what do you make of what you're hearing from O'Shane about Tyrone he, sound, he sounds impressed half, half depressed really listening to him you know because um, <laughs> our game our game didn't have anything like that kind of intensity or that ravenous hunger that he's talking about it was just you know, it was like, you know, your first Christmas when you realise that Santa Claus is gone. You know, you still get presents, but the magic isn't there. And like, the <laughs> Munster final is just kind of 
I don't know what it is, to be honest. It was just kind of something that just rolled on. Everybody knew it was going to happen, but we knew it was never going to be much of a contest. And it looks like all the players knew that too. You know, it was just one of those dour, let's get it done, let's get it over with. 22,000 people, let's let's show up because we have to. But no, there, was, there wasn't a whole pile of crack in Killarney. You were part of the story beforehand, Mike. We uh, have talked a little bit about this. Uh, you, the Tipperary manager, Liam Cairns, wasn't too happy with you. Um, what do you think about it now? I don't know. Was he was he not really happy with me, or was he just trying to, you know, probably motivate his players a little bit by by kind of saying, look, this is this yeah. is what they think of you and Kerry guys. This is what the players think of you. This is what the you know the whole county think of you. They don't respect your game. They what don't I, what think have you, you said chance. originally? Uh, can you maybe outline what you said? Uh, ba- basically, just uh, it was it was nothing really. It, it was a case of I, I thought if if things you know with, with Tipperary beating Cork, um, that possibly. Um, Kerry may not have a, another really competitive, meaningful game until they play Dublin in a semi-final. I mean, they played Kildare last year in in the um, in the quarter-final. Not a Division Three team. They put up seven goals and a cricket score on them, and they had no real real test again until they met the Dubs. So realistically, this year Kerry's last meaningful game, really competitive challenge, was against. Um, Dublin in the league final and potentially depending on who you come out of a draw in a quarter final the likelihood is they'll be playing a lower division team again in a quarter final that they'll probably beat and then you're talking about Dublin again that was that was basically it that was and it was it was I probably said it without the without the caveat of no disrespect to Tipperary which which just wrangles me to even hear people saying you know it's it's not disrespectful to suggest that carry a team that contested a Division 1 final and have, have realistic ambitions of winning in All-Ireland or, or some kind of ambitions of winning in All-Ireland should beat a team that just narrowly escaped relegation to Division 4 and have lost 8 to 10 of their of their most important players through hurling or AFL or gone to America for a jolly up whatever it is. So I, I think he was just trying to make a little bit of noise and, and, and try and get his guys going a little bit extra. But I mean, if that's if that's the stuff that you're resorting to, it's not, you know, it's not uh, it's not probably going to be the most effective type of motivation you can use. Well, I certainly didn't get didn't really get much done at the weekend. Oshin, do you think that does that this is an issue for Kerry that they're having it too easy this year? Well, it's a little bit disconcerting because they, there's a possibility they could run into somebody uh, now in the qualifier because the qualifier is getting quite stacked now with mm. uh, Mayo, Monaghan, Cavan, who you know uh, are still you know okay, um, Meath who. Like last week, I said that that I thought me, you know, would make a quarter final. I also think Mona and Cavan and Mayo can make a quarter final, but they can't all they can't all make it. And we're going to have we have two more losers to come out of um, provincial final. So um, I just think Mike said something in his article. I think at least I think you know I read in his article that he said that the biggest compliment that Kerry could play pay at uh, Tipperary was to take them seriously and go out and give them a real a real hammer. Mm. Um, they sort of did that yesterday without really putting them to the sword. But I think that's it. When you when you play against weaker teams, you try and get as much out of the game as you can for yourself, um, and you try and be as you try and use different things to motivate you. And maybe one of those things is can we win this game by fifteen points? Like, and that's realistically what happens within dressing rooms. Is you know, are are we happy? I mean. The majority of teams nowadays, the likes of the Dublins and the Kerrys and these boys, are trying to get to a level, okay, and they're trying to stay at that level. They don't want to dip down below that because they're playing against lesser opposition, and that's sometimes what we talk about when we talk about taking teams for granted. But I, I agree with, with Mike in that you know, 
Kerry should have went out yesterday, and I think they did in a way, but I still think it shows Kerry's limitations and only beat only beat Tipperary by ten points. Mike, yeah, and I, I thought I thought Kerry were were really just you know pedestrian yesterday. You know, Paul Ganey put on an exhibition, and you know he, he kicked two three on his own. Paul Murphy kicked one one in the first half. You know, without Paul Ganey playing at the level he played at, it actually would have been more uncomfortable for Kerry. And 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 again, I don't think it was a whole pile that the Tipperary were doing. It was just Kerry were, you know, it, it, it's just a hard, it was a really strange game. There was no atmosphere. It was dead. You know, it was the quietest 20,000 people will ever be. And, and it was just, it, it had that feel of, you know, inevitability from it from from a week out. You knew the game wasn't never going to be a contest, and and that's why I I, I felt and and that he's Oshin's right in in that I I did write that the greatest any any time Dublin are playing or any time Kerry are playing one of these one of the minnows, that like if you're really tuned in and you're really prepared diligently for it, and you you're 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 mentally where you need to be, then you do go out and you do beat them by 15 points. You do beat them by a, a good tanking. Kerry didn't do that yesterday, really. It, it was—I know it was ten points in the finish, but it was a—it was a struggle at ten points, and it was just—it was something that you're glad is gone now, and you don't have to see it again for another twelve months, maybe, because, you know, this this Kerry team need to improve a lot if they're realistically going to talk about about Dublin. I think they have the handier side of the qualifier, so they 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 may have a potentially easier quarterfinal than than the rest, but they're going to have to improve hugely to to even worry the Dubs in in a semi-final. Yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of an unfulfilling way to spend a summer as well for for Kerry footballers. I mean, obviously there people might blanch at this in in other counties. But I mean, the fact of the matter is that you're rumbling along in the championship and not getting a game until August. And you I I would say that there there's a lot of time in July, the entire month of July for you to be looking at each other thinking like I'm getting old here like what the hell is going on yeah. <laughs> you know I'd like a game sometime in this summer you know yeah absolutely and I mean they're three weeks from the clear game you know they're four weeks now after the Tipperary game and and really look you know it's it's going to be double Kerry, Kerry can only be defined like people were talking about Obugli or Marley the two wing backs that came in again yesterday and did a good job and you know how they did but really they're not going to be judged until you see how they compete with the likes of you know, Paul Flynn or, or, or Connolly or these guys, and, and, and that's their asset test. And, and really, for Kerry, the league now, you, you've played your league, you got your league final against Dublin, and, and realistically, I hope I'm not preempting a, a defeat to Cavan or something in the quarterfinal, but realistically, you may get to a semi-final against Dublin, and they've been your two meaningful games throughout the whole 12 months of the year. And, and it's, it's tough. It's, I, know, I know other counties will tell you, listen, we'd love, we'd love that problem to get the semi-final, but it's, it's a hard place to go and to, to keep yourself motivated to that level where you need to put teams to the sword in really in a game that you're going in. You, just, you don't get that same kind of a juice or that same buzz if you know I'm going into this game and this guy has no... I've got a, I've got a machine gun, this guy's unarmed. There's no way he can beat me. And, and it's hard to get yourself to where you need to be in that kind of a scenario. Kerry would have have to really improved a lot from the from the league final in order to bother Dublin at all. You have to ask yourself, have they had the opportunity to do that? I mean, I don't know whether you agree with this, Mike, but even for tomorrow's is going to have to go with those guys at wing half back on a hunch that they're good enough. But absolute, well, very little proof that that is the case. You know, because you won't, you won't have yeah, been challenged. Absolutely, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to know until I mean, you just don't know the wing forwards in 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 Clare or in Tipperary. You know, you're you're assuming they're probably not at that level of of a Paul Flynn or you know Kieran Kilkenny or whoever it is. So you just don't know. You know, there is the argument here, Oshin, that 
and this is made in the Ulster counties <laughs> quite regularly that it's all well and good that it might be difficult to keep yourself tipping along but it's harder again to do what Donegal and, and Tyrone have to do and go out and play an Ulster final and recover from potentially losing that yeah. then going through so it's it's a, it's the two sides of this coin that people talk about every sure. year and I'm sure a lot of people will be happy enough to take Kerry's route to an All-Ireland semi-final Yeah I would say though that the, at least you're playing football <laughs> yeah. you know at least you're getting some enjoyment from the summer at least like when the Cavan players lined up for the uh, for the national anthem on uh, yesterday that they were that this was something like that this was what they were yeah it's something you can get your teeth into I'm not really yeah. comparing it to Cavan I'm probably comparing it more yeah. to the other All-Ireland contenders other yeah. potential All-Ireland contenders no I know what you're saying and, they and have a harder route. the answer to your question is on surely there's a happy medium there somewhere yeah you know um, but like some years <laughs> some years you look at Kerry and you say Ah, Jesus, boys, come on. Look, they've got such a handy route through to an All-Ireland quarter-final every year. And then you look at the other side, they're going, Jesus, hold on a second, these boys aren't even tested. I go back to 2010, uh, Mike, when he's played uh, down, who come uh, through the, Mm. uh, sort of under the radar, they played against Kerry and and they beat Kerry. Now, Kerry were going really, really well, that's it, but we're just totally on the cook for that game. And... That has been the case on a number of occasions since, but they've been able to get because the opposition they're playing against now on is so poor mm-hmm. that they're able to get through these games. But then you, what you're talking about then it's the same situation when you get to the semi final. Yeah, you know? I'm sure hearts are bleeding around the country for yeah, Kerry football. No, <laughs> Shane, brilliant <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Mike, thanks so much. No bother, guys. And he is my second captain. Second captain. Uh-huh. The humorous competition. I saw that. Important man for my selection. Armagh were beaten by Leash at the second time of asking. Well, actually, they were beaten both times of asking. Mm. Armagh were beaten by Leash, but the first time, Leash used too many subs. Yeah, I was watching. So they were asked to do time. it again. They did it again. And uh, the 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 guy doing the report said, um, uh, "Some player was back after injury uh, uh, from the void game." <laughs> I was like, I was just waiting for him to say the drawn game. It was like, I suppose it's. I mean, what else What's could you call it? It's a void, yeah. void game. There was also a balls up in the Chrissy Ring hurting final earlier on in the season as well. That had to be replayed. And there could have been another issue at the weekend in the Wexford hurting match. Yeah, I mean, they would have been looking at a scarcely believable third replayed game for a game that had a definite result at the end of 70 <laughs> minutes if uh, Wexford hadn't quite so comprehensively beaten uh, Offaly. So Wexford won the game 121 to... 113, but they were two points down at half time, mm-hmm. having scored a penalty that was not seen by the two umpires standing five yards away or a referee who was standing 20 yards away. Uh, the ball was struck by the uh, Wexford goalkeeper, Mark Fanning. Mm-hmm. It hit the back stanchion, well, obviously a yard over the goal line, bounced back from the back stanchion, and uh, play continued <laughs> as if it had hit the crossbar. Okay, post. yeah. Scarcely believable. One of my favourite types of goals as well. I love it. Back off the back, back I mean, that's stanchion. kind of what you're aiming for because yeah. it looks deadly when the ball... <laughs> well, obviously not if there's an excellent chance that the goal will subsequently be deemed not to have been scored if the ball returns from uh, returns into open play. So, I mean, it is 
utterly absurd that it it could well have been a third void game in the national championships this year. I mean, it, it beggars belief. But uh, yes, thankfully for everyone, Wexford got their shit together and won the game pulling up. But. Didn't Mark Hughes score a goal like that for Southampton? Did he join Southampton after Man United? Uh, he definitely played, he played for, for them. Oh, and sorry, he played for Chelsea. Then I think I have a vague recollection that it was at the Dale. I could be making I could be making all this up, right? Yeah. But I think it was at the Dale, and I do believe that the Dale had very there wasn't much depth to their goals like yeah. from the goal line to the back of the net. Certainly, it was quite I remember a short that. Distance. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost certain he volleyed one in. But if it was a Mark Hughes goal, it was yeah. probably a volley. Hit the sanction, came out, and it took a while for the goal to be awarded. If I've made that up, I'm sorry. Been watching a lot of football recently, and I'm just uh, my brain is starting to shut down a little bit, mm. as we've noticed on a couple of podcasts up until this point. <laughs> so let's talk about hurling. No, let's not actually. Let's first of all find out what's coming up in today's Irish Times Second Captain's Euros podcast. That's yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I managed to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I'm down Swanfield and we'll see them all. What are you doing down here, you Johnny man? (laughs) Well, Owen, we are going to have a a Nordic wake. Uh, We're paying a visit to Valhalla. With the uh, the fallen heroes of Iceland's uh, Euro 2016 uh, campaign, which of course came to the uh, the most brutal possible end last night against the uh, merciless host nation. Uh, so we'll talk to Anton Ingis van Dorsen for that, uh, and we're also going to have Richie Sadler in, I think, to uh, have a look back at the quarterfinals and towards the semis. Yeah, and you picked a couple of great games to attend over the weekend as well. Well, I was lucky, Owen. Uh, I went to Wales, Belgium, and it's one of the best games I've ever seen <laughs> it's, I think it's definitely the best game of the tournament um, so far uh, and I, I was at the France Iceland game as well which at least had a lot of goals in it so uh, always good to see a lot of goals and uh, yeah it was, it was an exciting weekend Owen Kelly is ready to go Owen and you're ready to be placed into a futuristic scenario here if you're if you're alright with that fast forward to the first week of September Galway have fought back from yesterday's defeat They've got another crack at Kilkenny in the final. It's halftime. They're three points up. You, Owen Kelly, are in the dressing room for some reason. I've not joined the backroom team. Who knows what you're doing there? Oh, maybe a legend of the game deserves to be in a spot like that, the day like that. What would you tell that Galway team to do differently? Well, it wouldn't be on the day. You'd be have you'd have spoke about this, I think, in previous weeks through the league campaign. You'd be trying to develop a mentality that will say, even when Kilkenny get the run, maybe even you're trying to stop their momentum in that. But ultimately, it just this just seems to be happening week in, week out when Galway and Kilkenny play each other. You know, it's just a it's just a repeat of last September. It's a repeat of last July's Leinster final. And you know, for me, for me, the disappointing thing with Galway was even Parik Mannion's superb catch over Owen Larkin. It probably got Owen Owen Larkin replaced at half time. But I think he's fist pumping, and I suppose you know his antics afterwards said to me that. You know, there's 25, 26 minutes gone here. Um, you need to hurl for the full 73 or 4 minutes against the Kenny. You need to be so tuned in and focused for every minute that even that small little lapse in concentration, like all that takes energy. And you need, believe me, you need every ounce of energy to compete with Kenny and to beat him. You just need all the look as well. So I found the similarity between yesterday and even last year's All-Ireland Final. Sitting in Croke Park last September, I even felt the Galway supporters around me 
got very hyped up. They were, you know, they were really. They thought the game was over at halftime, but as we as we've seen, and as you know, they're not like. And that's I think that's a disappointing thing for me with Galway that they didn't learn from September. You know, they seemed to lose their focus then after half time again and didn't adapt their style of play because Kenny fell back deep as they do. But uh, Galway didn't get um, their strikers out the field maybe to shoot a couple of scores, you know. But uh, you have to compliment Kilkenny here. We've spoken about how they filter back and we're repeating each other every time we talk about Kilkenny. But I think the key thing with Kilkenny, and I think it comes from Cody and even his management team, the likes of Jay McGarry, who was very shrewd, they seem to get their the guys into games. TJ Reid was poor enough in the first half. He was quite... He came out on the half-forward line, picked off a score or two, but more importantly, gave pinpoint accuracy balls into like the John Joe Farrell's hand, into John Power's hand, into Richie Power's um, in front of him where he could control it, twist and turn over the bar. So that was a move that kind of went unnoticed, but wasn't really spoken about last night when they were analysing it. Um, how Kilkenny's shrewdness on their, on their sideline is able to get these guys who are not in the game get their top quality players, the TJ Reid and the Richie Hogan, this word, get them into a game. And I think they, they, they do that week in, week out in, in these big competitive games. When you look on the Galway side, Joe Canning was very quiet, especially in the second half yesterday when he was kind of needed. So, no, hats off to, to Kilkenny and their management team again here. Uh, is there an argument to be made for having three subs ready to go at halftime, regardless of... Uh, of how well you may you think you have played in the first half, that you actually just shake up your own team. Don't wait for Kilkenny to come out and blast you away in the first 10 minutes of the second half. They're going to attempt to do that anyway. And looking at the Gola bench yesterday, actually, funnily enough, even before, even before the game, it was obvious that Gola had quite a few more players who had played minutes in All-Ireland Finals than Kilkenny, Kilkenny had on their bench. Yeah, but yesterday, Galway were actually playing a good first half. They were playing very well. And, you know, similarities here again, like they were the five points up, they went in at halftime, they were three points up. You know, instead of just pushing on and maybe looking, you know, to try and win a dirty ball, you know what I mean, maybe win a, a free, you know, just little things that have put you to six up, like, you know, six is harder, believe me, to chase down than, than your, your two or three points. You know, but like, the likes of Owen Larkin's substitution at halftime, he was poor against Dublin, so I'm sure Cody had him told Owen. I want to see something here early in this game. And you didn't see it, so you know, once Park Manion caught that ball over his head, um, he was he was coming off. But, you know, Galway had had players on the bench. I don't know, was Jason Flynn injured coming into it, or is his form not good? But for me, he's a, he's a forward that can threaten any backing with his pace and with his hurling. He was one of the players, outstanding players last year for me. So, you know, like Galway's first-half performance and even some of the hurling in the second half was super-like, but it just seems to be... You know, when it comes to the crunch, when that game is there to be won, they haven't been in the winning position enough times. Like, and you know, it's something that's going to haunt them, especially when they play the likes of Oscar Kenny's and that. You know, and they should have they should have drove on from their successful win against Tip in the semi final of the, uh, the All Ireland last year when they, you know, it was nip and tuck and they won that game. Like that should have changed the mentality of that team. But as we've seen, you know, when it comes to the crunch against Kilkenny's this world, it, it hasn't done anything for them. Yeah, I mean, they have proved. You know, I'm I'm scratching around here for uh, uh, points of consolation. Oh, here. It's your prerogative this morning. <laughs> but I mean, they, like they have put together two halves of Hurley in the last four that they've played against Kilkenny, where they have actually just been much better than Kilkenny. Uh, now, obviously, there is a call and response element to this that Galway lay down the gauntlet and Kilkenny come out and blast them away. But I mean, they have proved that they're at that level for at least one half at a time in every game, and that. 
Right. It it's obviously it's a uh, soul destroying way to lose a game. You know, twice in the same fashion within nine months. But they do have the consolation of having put it up to Kilkenny in a way that we haven't seen that many teams actually do for 35 minutes at a time uh, over the last two or three years. No, they definitely do. And they probably, if they meet again, they'll do the same again. But it's just when they fade out of the game at the crucial stage. Now, look, I know you can say Cyril Donnellan was very unlucky for that goal, goal line scramble, we say, that Killian Buckley just swept off the line. But the probably the disappointing thing for me, and I probably hit, hit on it earlier on, is maybe on the management side, on the line, that the likes of Joe Canning, when it was very bunched inside, because that's what Kilkenny when they get the two or three points ahead, space becomes just non-existent. Non-existent. Why Joe Canning maybe wasn't put out around the middle of the uh, field? And you can ask, but Joe's a forward. But when there's no space, he can shoot scores from 70, 80 yards as easy as from 21 or 30 yards. And if you think back to the league match, Galway Kilkenny and Nolan Park, Joe got four or five points from the middle, midfield. I can still see him on the Sunday sport that night and he was at his ease. Like So for me, the winning and the losing of the game was Kilkenny got their main guys on the ball. The TJ Reeds, the Richie Hogan's. Galway were kind of waiting for it to happen. They didn't make a couple of moves. They can make sure you get those boys on the ball. Now, getting those boys on the ball in the modern game is out around 8, 9 and 11 because that's where it's not as congestive when Kilkenny go their two or three points ahead. But Galway's, Carl Mannion was superb. Dahi Burke was superb. You know, like, Conor Whelan is, is really getting better and better every season. So, like, Jason Flynn, I'd love to see him come back into, into the rectum because I think the one way you can trouble Kilkenny and God, we have it in their forward line, is pace. You know, Waterford have it as well, pace, clear of pace. Other than that, the other teams maybe are not as, as quick as those couple of teams. So, you know, look, Galway, if they can put a 73-minute performance together like they did in the first half, there'd be no doubt in my mind that they'd be, uh, they'd be looking at, at September. But it's, it's, it's a big ask for me all done in the next couple of weeks to get that performance, you know, for the, for the full 72 or three minutes. You mentioned the, well, some of the chinks in the armour of Kilkenny there, and there aren't many. But yeah, the, the fact that they do seem to be troubled, Carl Mannion scored five points off Joey Holden. They got, I think, 10 points in total in the, uh, from the inside forward line. But in a way... Is there an argument there that actually that that even that reflects reasonably well in Kilkenny? They know that maybe they're a little bit weak there, but they 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 have a mindset that look, we're not going to concede a goal if if a few of these fast forwards nick a few points off us, so be it. We're not going to actually lose a game unless we concede a couple of goals. We just won't do that. Yeah, look, they're so used to winning, so used to Croke Park on, on big game days, so used to winning. Like Joey Holden, I thought was been was having a poor game up to maybe forty minutes, and then he just stormed into the game with two or three high catches. You know, but he looked like he felt comfortable when he was surrounded by maybe a couple of more of the Kilkenny defenders. But definitely, Robert Lennon, Joey Holden, when there's space there, um, like I think like any defender, when there's space there with the top quality forwards that a couple of teams have, you're going to be under pressure. You know, a small little jink which Cotton Mannion has in his armour, like, and he created space. And you know, they just they could never though get through for that goal and I suppose that's a good full backs job that you right you might be being cleaned outside but the man is not getting past you and uh, you know, I think in you know in Morphy too to have a keeper that's probably acting as nearly a second full back as well you know he goes he doesn't get the credit he deserves and I don't think any keeper has because the backs have been very strong but um, he's he's awesome there he, he's uh, he's like a seven defender on Murphy in that goal but you know, I think what we've seen from Kilkenny yes the um, the hunger hasn't waned. The desire is definitely there. And I think you see Richie Hogan when he came on, right? He he he, uh, he hooked the guy and he uh, got the ball. He just thrown up in the air. That's just, just said, look, 
I'm here to stay as I mean business, you know. So Kilkenny's performance yesterday was awesome. And you know, if they hurl like that, which they do for the 72 or 73 minutes, they're facing another three in a row in September. We've had quite a few bleak uh, conversations around the bleak future of Cork GA in both football and hurting so far this summer. Owen, so we've got to give them their dues for a bright spot on Saturday night against uh, against Dublin. They've been drawn against Wexford now. It's Clare Limerick and Cork Wexford in the qualifiers. Did you see enough in Cork to suggest that they could they could belatedly have an impact in this championship? Look, I think they'll get great confidence of winning on, on Saturday night. I watched the game now and their first 20 minutes was, was very poor. You know, um, Look, they hit maybe eight or nine wides from 70, 80 yards. Doesn't happen in inter-county hurling. Like, I know even if you're at home. You know, you need to supply the ball inside. When they supply the ball inside, they look dangerous. Um, I think Dublin sending off had a big impact on the game. You know, Chris Comey was, was very stupid in what he'd done. He was rash, you know, on a yellow card. But, you know, look, a win in in the, in, uh, in the senior championship, it's a big boost, you know, and they'll be very happy with the draw this morning in Wexford. I'm not sure is it neutral venues or is it they were pulled out first. So I don't yeah, know it looked, it pro- it'll probably be a double header, I think, uh, in Thurless. I think that's what yeah. they're shaping up to do with it, yeah. So they're getting back to, um, you know, big crowd, back to Thurless. I think it's a nice draw now for Cork. I think Cork will get over Wexford, put them into a quarter final. But I'd say for Cork, maybe that quarter final might be uh, might be as far as they they they'll go this year. But definitely to get back to quarter final from their their poor hour starts, uh, poor game start of the year will be you know, would be a small bit of progress made for them. But um, you know they're just they just seem to be still not playing as fluently as a team as they can be. So if they can get that into the team, you no, know, they are capable of hitting the one twenty. Um, no, maybe they might spring a surprise too, but I definitely will. Uh, I think I'll see him in the quarterfinal. Oh, Kelly, brilliant as ever. Thanks, Emil. Thanks so much, guys. Take care. Andrew, that's the question. That's going to be asked. Answer tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight. Tonight. Into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight. Their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just. The bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight. No, I think Cork have made a massive boo-boo with our matchups. Massive boo-boo. Tonight, 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 tonight. I'm glad Owen was the one to bring up Pork Mannion's ridiculous fist pump. Mm. Personally, I disagree with Owen, but I do bow to his superior knowledge of how to win big games. I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 there was a bit of a wrinkle, I have to say. This is the first fist bump that nearly resulted in the player in question falling over. <laughs> so, I mean, the man could have torn his rotator cuff. Um, I'm just thankful he managed to escape <laughs> escape without injury. It was directly in front of where I was watching the game. And uh, uh, it was subsequently shown on the big screen. Okay, yeah. And, uh, you know... I, I, it got you going. Well, no, I, it got me into fits of laughter, I have to say. Uh, it, because I, I know that this is one of the hot-button issues that people are guaranteed to tweet me about. Uh, yeah, we've mentioned this on the podcast. We mentioned it, we've shown some examples on TV. I think we're yeah. associated with getting, non, oh, the, the, the reading too much into these. Yeah, yeah. the non-celebration celebration of footballers returning to old clubs. That's your one. Uh, you know, I mean, there are there are just some things that I know for certain I will be I will be hearing about. In it also happened to about two minutes before that there was an amazing scramble. Hurling is one of the few sports where you can you can have something that looks like a goal mouth scramble. What would amount to a goal mouth scramble in any mm. other sport? But it can happen in any area of the pitch. So it was in and around midfield. It seemed to go on for two minutes. Probably went on for about forty five seconds mm. of just constant uh, swings at a ball. Like really, the referee probably should have thrown it in. But I, I'd say. 
secretly I thought, think after this, looks pre- this probably looks pretty good on TV, yeah. so I'll leave this go. Or maybe he just thought, this is actually hilarious. It was hilarious. I mean. no, and nobody could see the ball. It was in, under somebody's foot, yeah. and uh, hurls were fine. And then, I'd, and then out of nowhere, I'd popped a Galway player, like... Uh, you know, like a, a a leg emerging from a Taz the Tasmanian Devil style dust up. Yeah. Um, that's basically what uh, that's basically what happened. Unfortunately, when the second half came, a lot of that continued to happen, but with Kilkenny players emerging, and that was basically the winning and losing of the game. I'm reading a an old Guardian ar- article called "The Goals That Never Were." Murph. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is because okay. it. It proves that I haven't completely lost my mind. Okay. And an incident along the lines of what I talked about, what I tried to describe there for, with regards to Mark Hughes and assignments at Hampton, did actually occur. It was a 1999 Premiership game. Southampton nil leads United 3. <laughs> While 1 nil down, Southampton's Mark Hughes had a volley so fiercely that it went into the net, hit the advertising board sitting ridiculously close to the back of the goal, and bounced out for a throw in. Oh I, like, I, I like this line. line. Referee Alan Wiley was unmoved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, so your brain hasn't completely turned to mush yet, so that's good. Yeah. Bolton, Neil Everton, Neil, 1997 Premiership. In the first game at Bolton's Reebok Stadium, Terry Feeden cleared Jerry Taggart's header after the ball had gone over the line. Referee Stephen Lodge did not allow the goal to stand. Look, there are a few of these uh, few of these goals that never were. But if there's not a stanchion actually. being mentioned, then no. I'm not interested. The, our Euros podcast is out now featuring star of last week's podcast, Anton Ingi Sven Bjorsen, the Icelandic historian and writer. He was in... He was in reflective, he was in philosophical mood. He'd, he'd gotten his head together by the time we talked to him today. I think if we talked to him at 10 o'clock last night, we might, might have got a rather different interview. But yes. He did confirm to us that because Iceland managed to hold firm after the first half barrage, it proved to him that Iceland are the superior football nation to Brazil, who in similar <laughs> circumstances in 2014 went under 7-1 to Germany. We, we, we can all but agree with that. I love Robbie Savage. Iceland are a bigger football nation than Brazil. This is just how the football world is these days. Thanks mm. very much, Murph. Uh, we must adjust to the new reality. Thank you, Owen. Thanks, many for listening. We'll, uh, if you want to get an email in, uh, if you want to be our scumbag of the week, I should probably give you the address there. It's secondcaptains at irishtimes.com. That's secondcaptains at irishtimes.com. Thank you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.